Hi, everyone, and welcome to Living a Legacy. And I'm excited to welcome first the host of the show, Eric Couch. Eric, how are you? And I'm excited about our guest. Another interesting one, but I know you're, you're, you're really excited about this one. Absolutely. So we have a first for the show. Now we've, we've interviewed, you know, singers and, and comedians and actors and presidential candidates, but today we have a first. Um, so we're interviewing Colonel Terry Verts, astronaut. He was, he was the station commander for the International Space Station. And Terry, am I right? Are you in, are you in Dubai today? I am, believe it or not. Yes, the United Arab Emirates. It Welcome is. Uh, to the show. It's the middle of the night here. Yeah, good to be there, <laughs> yeah. virtually. <laughs> you gotta love. Yeah. You gotta love these tours, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, it's good. I've been staying on. I've been staying on American time because I'm doing so many calls and interviews and stuff. Uh, I've been here for about a month now, but I just I just stay on American time and wake up at noon. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Eric. Well, that works. Question. That works. So, man, I don't even know where to start with you, right? How, how does how does one get into becoming an astronaut? Like, tell us about that journey. So, it started when I was a kid. Um, the first book I ever read was about Apollo, about the moon landings, and I was okay. hooked. Um, I was probably in kindergarten, so I grew up with posters of airplanes and rockets and galaxies on my wall. You know, that's just what I had as a boy. Um, I was nine years old when I saw a movie called to fly at the national air and space museum. It's an IMAX movie. It was really the first big IMAX movie. And it was just amazing. It blew my mind. I was so captivated by this movie showing balloons and jets. And um, I, so it was just what I grew up wanting to be. Um, read a book called the right stuff in high school. And that really showed me the path, you know, these guys, the original mercury guys had been fighter pilots and test pilots, and I didn't know anything about it, but I figured that must've worked for them. So that was the path I took. Wow. And the, right. It's you, you, you know, I'm not going to lie. When I was about two years old, a movie came out called space camp. And, (laughs) you know, I was, I I was half expecting you to mention space camp as, as, as the show, although, you know, uh, you're 52, I'm, I'm 44. So, you know, you may have missed out on that one, but. I I was probably busy uh, already at the air force Academy or something when that came out. Um, you know, I flew, my last space mission was with a lady named Samantha Christopheretti, which by the way, we were launching six years ago, like right this very minute is when we were launching into space for the, uh, my last flight. Um, she, I think, is the first ever space camp graduate to actually fly in space. So that was pretty cool for her. Exactly. That's wild. That is, that is awesome. And mm-hmm. so you followed your dreams, Colonel Terry. That sounds like what you did in so many ways. I was very lucky. Very lucky. Absolutely. Yeah. Next question. So, so, so you've, wanted, you've wanted to be an astronaut since you were a child. What did that look like? Because obviously you don't just... You don't just show up and become an astronaut. Now you've got you've got Colonel in your title, which gives me an indicator. But um, you know, where did that part and, and how did you did you did you always go in to be initially a pilot or was it a different angle or what did that look like? So I mean, I love flying. I I always wanted to be a pilot too. So even if I hadn't been an astronaut, it was a pretty good backup plan. You know, being a pilot. Yeah. Um, but my path that I took was through the Air Force Academy. So I went there when I was mm-hmm. 17 years old, 
got a degree in math and also a minor in French, which is kind of a weird combo. But I think that's the reason I got selected, to be honest. Um, ended up going to pilot training. I got an F-16 out of pilot training and flew, was a fighter pilot for years. And then went to Edwards Air Force Base for test pilot school. I was actually yeah. supposed to go to the French test pilot school, but it got canceled at the last minute because the Pentagon messed up some paperwork. So um, uh, went to Edwards and then I got picked on my first try at a very young age for NASA. I was very lucky. So that was kind of my path to become an astronaut. But like you, it, it was, it, people say, how long yeah. was the training? It was a year, year and a half training when I got to NASA. But the reality is it's a lifetime of training because, you know, you've got right. school when you're a kid, you've got college, you, you just have to be learning and curious your whole entire life. It's not just one program you do. It's really a lifetime of learning. Right. It definitely. It seems like that lifetime yeah. of learning for sure in that process of, uh, of figuring all that out. So how does one go from fighter pilot to an astronaut? Um, so like I said, for me, my path was through being a test pilot. Um, there's different ways to be a NASA astronaut. There are scientists, there's engineers, there's medical doctors. Um, but I took the pilot route and the test pilot school was really important. In fact, in the shuttle days, they had a, on your pilot application, there was a box. It said test pilot school attended and you're graduated. So, you know, it wasn't really an option to not be a test pilot school graduate. Uh, but that was really important because it taught you a lot of disciplines about um, just critically thinking through flying and also working with civilian engineers and contractors and working with different people rather than just Air Force guys. When you're in a fighter squadron, it's only Air Force guys you're working with. You know, it's officers and enlisted, maintenance and pilots. And then, but when you get to test pilot school, it's a much bigger community, just like NASA is, you know, it's not military, it's civilians. So there was a lot of really important lessons right. I learned at test pilot school. Absolutely. All right. Next question. So as you're, as you're, as you're going through that now, it looks like you had, you had four different space missions. Is that, is that right? Uh, actually only two. I was at NASA for 16 years. Okay. So the first decade was slow. I mean, we had a bunch of things piled up. First of all, they hired too many astronauts and, there was just a big glut of us. Second of all, they decided that the space station assembly missions were so complicated they couldn't fly rookies. So the rich got richer and the rookies right. sat around and waited. Um, we, had a mal <laughs> we had a malfunction on STS-93, I think it was, with Eileen Collins that caused the, uh, the shuttle yeah. fleet to stand down for years. And then the Columbia accident happened, which stood us down for a couple of years. So that slowed everything down. Yeah. So everybody my age had to wait between eight and 12 years to fly on their first mission. So um, it was it was a slow wait, but it was definitely worth it. So I flew on the Space Shuttle Endeavor for two weeks on SCS-130. Uh, and then I flew on Expedition 42 and 43 with the Russian Soyuz that we took off six years ago tonight. Um, and that was a 200 day mission. So I spent a little over seven months in space. Holy cow. Yeah. So, yeah. so when you, when you yeah. have the expedition 42 and 43, that's considered one, even though it was two different expeditions. And so I use TMA 15 M, which was the, the launch and landing aircraft. So when I showed up, we were expedition okay. 42 after a few months, the three guys who were there went back to earth and another three showed up and then we became expedition 43. So it looks 
on my spacesuit, right. I got I got patches everywhere, but it, I really only flew twice. So, Colonel yeah. Terry, how did you? That's wild, isn't it? For yeah. sure. I was going to ask Colonel Terry, how did you deal with being up in space to keep that the time with the different things that you got to do? Because it's a little different. Because again, there's nowhere else yeah. to go. You're you're in a, on it. <laughs> you're in, in space, so there's not yes average things that you could do after work. So how did you kind you of can't, you can't go to Denny's? No, yeah, exactly. Right, so, especially for that long. It was two hundred days. So, um, you know, f- first of all, you're busy. People always say, "Do you get bored?" or "What'd you yeah. do in your spare time?" And the answer is, I didn't have it. I was busy, <laughs> busy, busy. Um, whatever spare time I had, I, I did photography. Photography is my thing. I ended up okay. taking over three hundred thousand images. I took more pictures than any other astronaut ever. Um, and, uh, so that was my kind of thing that I did. Um, and then, uh, it was just, like I said, it was a busy time. They, there, there's no time to sit around and wait on, on my flight. There was a American cargo ship that blew up and then a Russian cargo ship that blew up and then another American one. But when the Russian one blew up, it was on a Soyuz rocket, which is the same one that people launch on. And so they delayed our replacement crew until they did an investigation to make sure it was safe. And so while they did that, they said, why don't you stay in space? So, you know, we don't have this big gap without enough people there. So we were stuck in space for an unknown amount of time, low on supplies, which is a lot like what a lot of people are dealing with on earth, right? You're, you're quarantined, you're, you know, can you get out and who knows when it's going to end. And so I wrote in my book, How to Astronaut, I added a chapter about that, just comparing, like, how did we get through getting stuck in space with how do you get through quarantines and lockdowns and that kind of thing here on Earth? Yeah. So what, what would be, a, what would be a, a key takeaway from that? Uh, well, actually, I wrote a quick, I wrote a quick book this spring. It didn't turn into a book. We're hopefully going to turn into a video project. Uh, but it was 10 lessons I learned from being stranded in space to help you get through quarantine down here on earth. (laughs) Um, So, you know, the most important thing is attitude. So my attitude was, right. This is going to end. So make the most out of Mm -hmm. it while you can. There's nothing you can control. It's the old adage, you know, why worry about something you can't control. So just make the most of it that you can. And it'll be done. I, I just said, look, I got the rest of my life to be back on Earth. I'm going to enjoy space as long as I can. Uh, and then yeah. I'll be back on Earth and I'll do Earth stuff when I get back there. So it's really that attitude of, you know, a lot of people are home with their kids. I mean, that would be rough, especially if you got young kids. I get that. But you're never again going to have that right. time with them. So, yeah, it's a pain yeah. in some ways when when you're 70 and they're 50 and they got their own kids, you're going to miss that time that you had with them. So try and try and take advantage of the time that you have and use that kind of mental attitude to to help you get through. That's really critical. And Eric, again, he's so, I was going to talk about getting to the documentary soon. I know you have another question, mm -hmm. but we'll definitely start talking about the documentary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just real quick. So is that, is that one of your pictures behind you? Actually, no, I'm staying at a friend's house and he bought that okay. at, a, at the Apollo gala. We, we met every year. There's this Apollo anniversary gala in Florida. 
So I met him there a few yeah. years ago and he had, he won that at an auction. It was a charity auction. And so that's his galaxy picture. I'm just using it as background right now. <laughs> well, it's a cool, it's a cool background and given you what you said, like you it. took 300,000 yeah. photos. Is, is there one that just stood out or did you see something that the average person, it's just like, it was amazing. Was there like a, some kind of light show or not light show, but comet or, you know, there were so many, um, yeah, I, I wish I had, I've got my, my book view from above is a Nat Geo photo book. Um, I think the oh, okay. one that, that really stood out, um, is the last picture I took in space. I like the wide angle where you can see the earth being curved and that kind of picture versus the zoom in kind. I took a wide angle picture. It was a really small aperture. It was an F 22 picture. And the, so the earth that, and that gives the sun this kind of ray look with little points, stick, starburst kind of look. Right. And it's the starburst. The station is almost all black because it was the exposure was so dark. The earth, it's just an earth limb. It's a beautiful picture. I love it. When I took it, I looked at the preview screen and I said, that's the best picture I'm ever going to take in my life. I'm done. So I took the <laughs> card out, downloaded it, went down to the Russian segment, put on my spacesuit, and went back to earth. Um, after, after that final picture. That's, that's tremendous. That's a good way to end it, man. Most it was a, it was a good way to end it. Yeah. I don't know if I can do a screen share with you or not, but that was a pretty cool, absolutely pretty cool way to end it. And so you have so many different projects, Colonel Terry, is <laughs> it, it amazes me. Now the documentary, tell us about the documentary. Yeah. I'm wearing my yeah. one more orbit shirt. So, um, the gentleman I'm staying at his house right now, Hamish Harding, when we met about four or five years ago, he was talking about this one more orbit project he wanted to do. He wanted to take some Apollo astronauts and fly them on a world record flight around the world. He's a, has a business jet company. So he wanted to put them on a jet and fly them, set a world record, but really use it as a way to publicize STEM and Apollo and rekindle excitement in aviation and that kind of thing. So I was going to be one of his pilots. I actually had a training course set up at Gulfstream to do it. And it ended up not happening that year. We delayed it, delayed it, delayed it. Finally, last year, he said, all right, Terry, we're going to do it in a couple months. And I'm like, Hamish, I don't have time to get the training. <clears throat> so um, we went to uh, the backup plan, which is to have me make a movie, which is perfect because that's exactly what I want to do. Now that I'm at a NASA, I've, I've been writing right. and I've got a bunch of TV and film projects I want to do. And so I had a chance to direct mm -hmm. a documentary and it, it's a legitimate documentary. We had a very healthy Hollywood budget for the thing. Um, I hired a Hollywood production company. I had some amazing editors and a company called therapy. Uh, it was fun. It was yeah. a blast. And I got to come up with a story. Um, I got to direct a film. It was amazing. I had, there's over 200 people in the credits. Uh, we had our own soundtrack. I got to interview different art musicians and picked one to make our awesome. soundtrack. I got the whole experience went through, four months of editing. It just came out. One More Orbit is the name. Uh, it just came out last month, I think. It's on iTunes and Amazon and mm -hmm. uh, cable TV and like uh, anywhere you can do pay-per-view movies, you can see One More Orbit. It was fun. I think right. er, er, in my view, it's the antidote to 2020. It's a fun, positive mm -hmm. thing. Uh, it's about this adventure. And it's, a, it's really a movie about how people how exploration can bring people together from different countries. So we were uh, yeah. 10 different nationalities on the airplane. So everybody was from a different country. Um, 
it, it's really a movie about how people come together and also the environment. I've talked about how we can solve climate change. And so, but it's all, it's kind of a fun, positive adventure film. Sounds like it, it was awesome. I loved it. It was my first director's experience, but I loved it. And then I, I don't know if we talked about this. I made another film this summer. In fact, it was just in the Houston film festival last week. Uh, it's a short film um, called uh, cosmic perspective. And it's about how space mm -hmm. photography has changed our perception and perspectives on the earth, the solar system, our place in the universe. Um, and I just kind of take us through the early human views of our planet and the moon and stuff. And then how Apollo changed that, how astronaut photography, like the pictures I took changed it, the uh, Voyager that went out to Jupiter and Saturn um, and most recently Hubble and other telescopes looking not only deeper mm -hmm. into the universe, but also further back in time. And so we've kind of gone from a two-dimensional perspective to a three-dimensional perspective. And now Hubble's given us a four-dimensional perspective. So um, anyway, that, it was a fun blast to make this short film. It's only 10 minutes long. But what I really want to do with it is turn it into a like a feature-length documentary or what I really want to do is a TV series. I think this would be a fun little six part yeah. mini series about interview really cool people and just say, Hey, what did you think of these pictures or what, what does this mean to you or whatever? It, 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 that would be, that's kind of my dream for that. Eric, he has so many different. Yeah, and just see the, just to hear the stories and see the pictures. And yeah. I mean, just, just, I would just love to hear the shop talk, right. Of, <laughs> of you guys and just what you experienced and, you know, literally being on rations and some of the funny, I mean, there's got to be a billion stories other than just the memories and, and the relationships yeah. and the views. There are. And a lot of times people will catch me. I'm like, I remember that time I was coming back to earth and I saw this thing and they were like, wait a minute, what did you just say? You know, cause I'll just talk <laughs> about it. Like it's no big deal. And right. sometimes the things I say are kind of ridiculous. It's funny. Actually my Russian crewmate Anton Shkaplerov just called me like five minutes before we started right before this interview we were just talking because we were talking about the launch because it's our launch anniversary so our yeah. launch anniversary yeah uh, congratulations again then and then, what do we say for launch anniversaries just some amazing feat right when there's not the total number of launches are not that many right how many altogether in the history in human history? That's a good mm -hmm. question. Well, there's 135 shuttle missions. Um, probably, I, there, there's been a few hundred probably. Right, exactly. Yeah, not, not, not that many, many in, in not 60 many for, years. In, yeah, exactly. So that's in 60 years. Yeah. So much, put it in the record books, even though not record books, but put it into something in history saying, well, it doesn't happen all the time. And do you like the fact that the, I'm sure you're happy about uh, the amount of money now going back into space research and nasa and stuff right and yeah it's nasa's done well actually it nasa's been doing well for years believe it or not as a as a total agency budget um under george w most agencies got cut but he gave a small increase to nasa obama was kind of a space fan he he wasn't an expert i mean that wasn't his background but he liked space um uh, yeah. Trump has given money to NASA for sure. He wants to go back to the moon. So no matter what side of the aisle you're on for the last 20 years, NASA has gotten small increases every year. The, the problem with NASA is it's a big government agency. So, you know, it's not exactly, ironically, it's not 
a hotbed of innovation or, yeah. you know, a lean, mean, uh, innovative machine. You know, it's, it's not SpaceX for sure. Exactly. Right. So talking about SpaceX, how do, you know, what are thoughts on like people like Elon Musk that want to take, I mean, in the, in the astronaut community, what's the perception? Mm -hmm. I think most astronauts are positive about it. Um, we understand that, you know, the government is the government and private entities right. like SpaceX and others can, can do things a lot more nimbly and a lot quicker, but there's also cost to that. They, you know, they, they may be young and inexperienced. They, they can't raise taxes, so they got to get stuff done and they can't delay. And so that can lead to, uh, you know, shortcuts. Um, so it's a mix uh, for cargo and that kind of thing. It's really good. Um, but it, it's not as good as you might think. When I was writing my book, and this really surprised me to death, I, I'd always heard of how expensive the shuttle was and it was so expensive and SpaceX was going to be amazing. Um, and when I, when I was researching my first book and I've confirmed it since then, um, I, I realized that the SpaceX and other private, uh, it was Orbital, now it's Northrop Grumman, other private companies are actually charging as much or more mm -hmm per pound than the space shuttle cost. Um, and then SpaceX wow. just last year just raised their price by 50%. So the, it, everybody thinks wow. it's cheaper, but, but actually it's not. Um, and when you look at the, and we're, everybody was complaining that we're spending so much money on the Russians, uh, but the per seat cost for the, the, the SpaceX and Boeing human capsules is a lot more than it was on the Russians. So you may think that these companies are, you know, they're, they're amazing. They've done great things, but they're not quite as cheap as, as you might think. It'll be an interesting thing to see what Well, happens. there's also a lot, you know, yeah. yeah, there's supply and demand as well, right? So right. Uh, he who has the supply can demand whatever he wants. And it's like, well, e e Elon is not much. dumb. Elon is not dumb. Right. right? And, and he's right. like, so you, you, your, uh, your first mover customers, you, you give them a good deal. And then when you're the only guy in town, you look around, you go, Hey, you know what? It's costing a little bit more now. And the price goes up by 50% <laughs> and there's nothing yeah. I can do. So that's good. Hey, I went to Harvard. I'm a Harvard business school graduate. So, uh, yeah. people say, what, what, what did you learn at Harvard business school? And I, I tell them, uh, buy low and sell high. So that's, that's, that's pretty right. good. Journal that's Terry, pretty good. Your resume is amazing. Harvard well, thanks. School too. Okay, so you, you take all your brand and say, now how am I going to make money out of this for a lifetime? And for... that's what I'm not good at. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, at least you, you're showing me more and more projects. One of those projects will yes. stick. Will be very big. Right. Eric has the, a final question goal. for you, Colonel Terry, and it's involving legacy. Go ahead, Eric. Okay. Well, and actually, before I ask that, so I. I, uh, I grew up in Houston. I went to the mm. observatory a lot as a child mm -hmm. and it was fascinating. You know, you'd sit in the chair and the whole, everywhere you looked, it was just, you see space and you're, it's just overwhelming. And then going to NASA, mm. um, and seeing, you know, you, you guys having to go around in the circle, just kind of like, you know, they show in the movies where it's, you know, the faces, what was it? Like, yeah. I forget what movie it was. Like, it's like Dan Aykroyd or somebody. The right stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was some of that like? The training for an astronaut. The thing I liked about it, people say, you know, what did you like about it? Or how, what was it like? My favorite part about it is it was always different. Um, yeah. I mean, some, day, some days you did the centrifuge or you go fly fighter jets and maneuver. 
Um, some days you're doing maintenance training. How do you fix this thing? Some days you do science. Um, yeah. We did public affairs training, learn how to do interviews. Uh, I did a lot of medical training. I was a crew medical officer, even though I was only a fighter pilot. I, I was actually like the crew doctor handing out medicine wow. to guys. Um, I yeah, did. You I can't was just a dentist. tip someone in. You could call the doctor on the ground, but there's all this stuff there. Somebody has to hand it out. So that was my job was to hand out stuff. <laughs> Um, yeah. so I, every day learning Russian, for example, uh, wow. every day was something different. Um, going to the gym, staying in shape was part of the job. So, you know, during my eight hour workday, I was often at the gym working out, um, which that's pretty good work. If you can get it, getting paid to go to the gym. Uh, but it's <laughs> super important. Like you have to be in physical shape to do spacewalks, um, or even to fly in space. So I really enjoyed that. In fact, the, the book I wrote, how to astronaut, um, is 51 chapters about, they're like short essays, uh, about all aspects of space travel. And there's a wide variety. Some of them are what you'd expect. Some of them are kind of crazy. You know, what do you do with a dead body or are there aliens or whatever? So I just wrote, I tried to write it in down to earth. I wanted you to laugh and say, wow, those are the two goals I had in writing this book. Uh, and yeah. it's, it's just all these different variety of things that I'm talking about. That's, that was the point of my book, how to astronaut. Exactly. That's tremendous. All right. Now, That's Eric, we'll go great. to the legacy question. So as you, as, you, as you look back over your life and you look at where you're headed, you know, what we talk about is, is you know, everybody talks about leaving a legacy, right? What are we going to leave behind? But, but then what we talk about on the show is how are you living it out today? How are you using your influence to impact the world around you, which is, which mm -hmm. is exactly what you're doing in writing books and all that. Yeah. So, so with that, you know, what, what would you want to be your legacy? What do you want to be remembered for? Uh, in society, but also with those closest to you. Yeah. So the most important legacy, really the only thing I can leave behind are my kids. So yeah. I want them to be, you know, good human beings and I want them to leave the world a better place than when they came in. And so to me, I, I, I always said I'd trade my space flight for more kids. You know, it, they're the most important thing that I have. They're my most important legacy. But as, as I look professionally in 2020, um, the world is not where I want it to be. Like, I, I'm not happy when I look out at uh, planet earth right now, what's going on. Um, I think democracy is really important. Uh, when you look at the earth from space, you, everybody's like, you don't see borders. Let's all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. That's not entirely true. You can look at certain parts on earth where there's a lot of lights on and there's a lot of wealth. You can look at other parts on earth at nighttime where there's no lights on and there's a lot of people there and you know, there's not a lot of wealth. So you can see that yeah. poverty from space yeah. and even worse, you can see borders, especially like North Korea, South Korea. I, I've, there's a couple of pictures I posted that are really obvious. You can see what's going on there. Um, the India Pakistan border, you can see too from space. So when you see those things, you're really seeing politics and you're seeing mm -hmm like yeah. political systems that work really well and you're seeing political systems that are disasters. And so you can see how people live from space. And the, if, I could, if I could leave one professional legacy, it would be to try and promote this idea of democracy and free market economies, because that's what improves people's lives. Um, when we get it right, people's lives are better. When we get it wrong, you, you got World War II or, or you, know, you have Africa, which is just this, a mess in so right. many ways. So um, it, I always used to, when I, when I talked to congressmen, I talked to the vice president two years ago at the National Space Council. I was one of the speakers there. And I said, it's not about the rocket science. It's about the political science. <clears throat> and mm -hmm. 
and I'm and I'm talking about NASA. You know, we have to get our politics right to keep to have a viable space program that lasts over multiple administrations. Um, but that's a much bigger mm -hmm. statement too. It's not about rocket science; it's about political science. Because when you get politics right, you end up with Western Europe after the war, or you end up with America in the 20th century. You end up with really good improvements in people's lives. And when you get it wrong, you get authoritarianism and you know corruption and stuff like that. So that if, if there's any way I can help the world move in that direction, I guess that's kind of why I want to make movies is to tell positive stories that show how people can work together and not um, move in the other direction. Tremendous. Tremendous. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Another you know, I got, I got a title for your next book. <laughs> What's that? Perspective. It's perspective. <laughs> well, right. Cause you've I, seen I the like world. It. Yeah. Rather than being right here, like we're all at, to be in yeah. space and to see that, and it—it, it, I mean, it's so obvious that it that it impacted and it changed your perspective, and you've been able to just take a step back and see, uh, and that's something yeah. we all need, right? Something it we is all something. Need. Yeah, check out some of my photos; they give you perspective. You know, when you when I used to, when I get too upset about something, I can go take myself back to space and just look at the Earth and know like that thing's been there for a billion years. It's going to be there for a billion more. Right. It makes the, uh, the cares of today seem not that bad when you, when you keep things in perspective like that, that's why the movie right. I made was cosmic perspective. That was, right. that's kind of the, that's the goal. Tremendous. Well, tremendous. Awesome. Okay, so where do we see these photos? <laughs> so, um, well, the how to astronaut book is out now local. Yeah. I always promote local booksellers because I love local booksellers. And of course you can get it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, but mm -hmm. uh, local booksellers are great. Uh, my yeah. photography book view from above is also out in bookstores. It's a Nat Geo book. Um, so how to astronaut view from above. Uh, I've got a website, terryverch.com has a few of my photos on there. Um, and then the movie one more orbit is also out. It's on, like I said, it's on Amazon, iTunes and lots of places. So I've got a few different things that folks can see. See, I talked to Colonel Absolutely. Terry probably a year ago or a year and a half ago, maybe two. Uh, that, everything's a blur for me, but he has more <laughs> projects now than first radio tour I did with him with Art Sears Radio <laughs> Tour when he was taught, he was promoting, I think, an IMAX deal. And that was the first time I did the tour. I was with Terry on that. And I think it's been two other interviews, maybe three. And it's amazing to see the growth of where he's going. And I'm so really pleased to see what you've been able to do, Colonel Terry. It's very impressive. Absolutely. Thanks. It's been fun. It's been, uh, you know, my Air Force and NASA career went pretty well. You know, I can't complain. But now that I'm in this real world of doing some, I'm helping some companies grow and just dealing with Hollywood and you get told no so often. Everything is constantly no, no, no. And so I've been able to make a few things happen, which is, I'm very lucky, but it's, it's definitely, you got to get a thick skin and get, get used to being told no. Cause that's what you hear most of the time. Um, and you meet some right. interesting people too. It, look, everybody's not perfect in the air force or NASA, that's for sure. But for the most part, there's a lot of great people. And if, if somebody says something, you can normally trust them, but you know, the air force and NASA are pretty good places. That's not necessarily true out in the real world. Um, and we've been some, partners of mine have just uncovered these great people say crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think one of the shows I want to do is I think I'm going to call it fraud factory. 
Because <laughs> I have I have uncovered <laughs> some doozies, people making stuff up and saying stuff. You're like, where did you come up with that? So really, it's it's been an eye opening experience coming out into the real world out of after you know post NASA. Yes, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, the creativity of Colonel Terry. We appreciate you coming on and living a legacy, and Eric as well. Great information. Absolutely. And thanks for stopping by. Hey, thanks for having me again. This was a lot of fun. All right, guys. Thanks, Jerry. This was great. All right, that was living. Thanks. Life.